Hey, welcome to Street Fight Radio, uh, the show. I don't remember how I'm opening these shows anymore, even. It, actually, it doesn't fucking matter. And that, like, Brett was very good at having, like, a rap that he was able to do, and I am not. So, the opening of the show will always be sloppy. This show will never have an opening that is not sloppy. Uh, before I get to the co-host, which is Kumar Salahe. Did I say it right? I say asked every time. Kumar Salahi, you actually get it way more often 50%. than anyone else. I'm 50% on it. The, from delete your account, uh, a dear friend, somebody who uh, makes me feel smart. So that is something that not a lot of people do since I have a, incredibly low self-esteem. Well, you make uh, me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So the, <laughs> the feeling is definitely mutual. And I will say, if you're not going to say it, I if this is your first time listening to Street Fight Radio, it is the number one anarcho-comedy <laughs> podcast on any station across the nation. I'm and not I'm totally sure it is that anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't have low self-esteem about the show yet. Yet. Uh, that'll probably take a year, maybe two years, before I start being like, I think I suck. Uh, I think it's been pretty good uh over this past two months so uh so before we get into it i want to say um i believe now i can't make this promise at all because i don't know i just can't make it uh on uh halloween on uh the 30th or 31st whatever day halloween is i don't fucking care uh on the patreon there will be 20 minutes, a 20 minute preview of the documentary of the Hellfire Tour that we did with uh, Street Fight, uh, District Sentinel Radio, and the Trillbillies uh, two, in 2018 or 19. Could have been either. Um, I think it was 2019 because then we did the other one too that was sort of illegal. And I think um, I that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that the first 20 minutes of that documentary are, is going to be on the street fight patreon that uh that day and then also i mean while i'm telling people go to patreon shocktober go there we got some crazy fucking guests this year Cr like crazy we got we got uh brendan walsh from uh the world record podcast doing the grease man with us which is you know uh, the most racist man in the world. And um, we have John Gabris on the Bubba the Love Sponge episode. So it's going to be fucking really fun. So that is the plugs. I did the plugs. I, it's unbelievable that I did the plugs. I never do them. I get yelled at by many of my peers for not doing them. But sign up for the Patreon. It's cool. And uh, I put good shows on there. Plus, four seasons of Shocktober. I mean... That is almost 20 episodes. It is 20. There's like 30 episodes of the show now, which is just, that's a deal. But uh, Q Mars, how are you doing right now? I am in a, I'm in a weird place. You know, I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Brian, or, or certainly would never lie to the Street Fight listenership. Um, I have been depressed as shit. Uh, I moved to uh upstate new york like way more upstate than you've ever even imagined was possible um and i like it, the country it's 
uh, some, you know, I, I grew up in Southern Illinois and, um, well, people back home get mad when I say that. I'm from East Central Illinois. The narcissism of small differences. Uh, That's but- true, though. Hey, I'll tell you what. I get mad when people are like, wrestling does this. Wrestling does this all the time. They're like, hey, Columbus, we're going to be in Cleveland. It's like, motherfucker, that's two and a half hours away. That's, I mean, you're not doing a show in anywhere near Columbus. <laughs> like, I'd have to get a, I might get a hotel if I had to stick. Because Ohio is like really big, you know? So I have that sort of narcissism of like, no, you have to come to fucking Columbus. I remember years ago, uh, <laughs> years ago when, when Chapo did their Midwest tour, uh, they specifically did a date here so that we could be on stage with them and, and do shit with them. And when they announced the date, it was nothing but Cleveland and Cincinnati people bitching and saying, why are you going to Columbus? Yeah. <laughs> like, That's not even, come on, drive a little bit. So I know the feeling of like being like, uh, I guess sort of territorial, right? About your place. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm now, I mean, when I lived in, uh, Champaign, Illinois, there, that was still kind of, you know, a, a hub of culture, if you will, you know, I, I, you could be a, 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 you know, a bone vivant, a man about town and in Canton where I am now, uh, in, in the district of, uh, uh house GOP chair, Elise Stefanik, for those of you who are, uh, congressional heads, the, um, the closest U.S. city is like over two hours away. Um, I mean, that was true in, in in Illinois for me too. But you know, I, uh, you know, I I, 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 I just I feel like I've just been a little bit too cut off. I didn't realize how much yeah. uh, I didn't like um, not being able to get somewhere. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, I've been. I think I was generally just not super prepared. Um, but I got so depressed this past uh, couple months. And I mean, I'm starting a new job. My career's off to a great start. I have nothing to complain about. I'm just kind of, I'm using this up as an opportunity to, to, to blow off steam, uh, you know, with my, my kindred spirit, uh, Murder Brian. But I got so depressed. I had these tickets to uh, see Wu-Tang Clan and Nas uh, in, um, the, they were doing a show, that, a tour that was like only shows outside of, in New York state. And I was like, oh shit, well, I'm going to have to drive like six hours to get to any of these shows. Uh, like these are New York artists. I finally moved back to New York for like after like <laughs> almost a decade and I have to drive six hours, but I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, like it's good for me. Like, you know, uh, the, op- the opener was like Busta Rhymes, um, who's really having a moment right now. Um, and I just, I, by the end of it, I was just like, I was so, I've just been so exhausted. I didn't go. And I realized afterwards, like, you know, I got to make some changes in my life because I've heard you say you're a real road hog. And I feel like I should have just toughed it out and like driven the six hours, but I ended up not going. I had the tickets and I, uh, I didn't go. And I, I, it was the sort of thing where, you know, like one, it haunted me afterwards because I was like, man, they might not ever, you know, do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, went to Walmart, um, 
that that later that week i didn't realize how how much i was like damn i really like i've, I've developed like an unha uh, uh, an unhealthy aversion to discomfort because i went to walmart and i saw this kid in uh, uh a hoodie that said travis scott madison square garden two nights only and i think i had like a ptsd flashback <laughs> i was just like oh my god like missing a show it really is still after all this time the worst feeling but i mean i you know I also now in some ways have a more active social life than I did when I lived in the Bay Area. Like when I lived in a major metropolitan area, I would spend Saturday nights watching uh, horror movies in my apartment until like 4 a.m. <laughs> and now I go to Walmart. And Walmart uh, is you you're you have found out the the feeling of being a not living in a city guy uh where this is me too. I live in a city. Columbus is not a small city or anything. And, and, uh, you know, I don't live close to a Walmart, but I will say going to the store as Jesse Farrar would say is great. I mean, that's just, that's the real activity for people is just going to the store. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I go, I, people complain to me for years now about, uh, I go to the store every day because I forget stuff and I don't even I'm to the point now where I'm like, I don't even think I forget stuff. I think I just like going to the store. Yeah. I mean, I have been hesitant to get back out there, uh, if you will. And here I'm definitely like the only person among like, you know, the 200 people at a, at a time that are in this like kind of regional Walmart super center, um, who is wearing a mask. God, nobody's wearing those. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, I mean, what, what do I, what do I expect? It's in Walmart, but you learn, you know, interesting things as well. Like, I don't think that this is true in other Walls Mart, uh, but here they, um, maybe this is true. I just have never noticed it before. They actually like, <laughs> they block the cell reception for the entire store, I didn't and know that. then also for miles in every direction. Not on purpose, obviously, but like who's oh. gonna sell Walmart? And it's so that the employees can't like, you know, use their phones. And so I'm literally at the AT&T store, like my phone, I, my phone was like fucking 10 years old. I had to get like a new, you know, screen and whatever. And, 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 um, and from, from my new phone, which is like fucking gigantic now, by the way, these phones don't fit in my hands. But anyway, <laughs> they, I was trying to fucking connect um uh to the to you know get some reception and they were like oh yeah sorry like we don't get reception here because walmart just blocks all cell signals they give their employees like a second like secret phone that they can use to look up i don't know how much a banana costs or something but that's it they that's crazy. literally it's like a, it's a fucking i mean it's it's borderline dangerous because like that's breaking it's, news yeah, honestly, Q Mars, that's fucking breaking news. Now I'll go on Google and search it, and it'll be something like people start DMing me like Friday and saying like that's not fucking breaking news. You know, well, I've been knowing that. That that's always happens with with listeners. I knew that. I never heard this before ever. Yeah, that, that they block cell cell reception. I always just thought like that Walmart didn't have cell reception because it's a huge box. Because it's the most unpleasant, and maybe this is just because, like I said, I I live in the center of Columbus. Like, one, I just got back from walking downtown. Like, 
Uh, so I, I walk, I live like a mile away from downtown. So there isn't a Walmart anywhere within like, uh, it takes 20 minutes at least maybe 25 minutes for me to get to a Walmart. Cause you got to drive outside of the city limits. And like, uh, when I go to Walmart, it feels like a total assault on my senses. Like I, there's just something about it. That's like, this is the ugliest place I've ever been to, but they have like, they're like really good treats there. It is like, uh, because they have everything. The treats are just top notch at Walmart. So when I go there, I get excited for the treats actually. Um, Without so. a doubt. I mean, I see things that I had told myself, um, you know, my teeth are not in good shape, right? Like oh, I have I the mouth of a British person and <laughs> I am continually seduced by the options. I mean, they have candy now. Um, you're going to come on and uh, uh, delete your account and we'll talk about Halloween stuff in a bit. So this might be just a preview of what's to come, but I love the candy that is like a combination of two different candies. Like now they have, they have like different versions of everything now. Right. So like there's like fucking Jolly Rancher gummies and there's Fruit Loops gummies. Like I just got, I got candy for my uh, uh, students earlier today and uh, I was just in awe. I was like, I don't even want to give this stuff away. Like I have to try at least one bag of all of this because it's just, they're continually innovating and it's now truly they have the, fucking Jolly Rancher fruit roll-ups. We were going to say this is like, it's sort of like the golden age of candy. Well, it's the only fucking time that, that like capitalism, like actually innovated something that's like useful for me where I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I, I mean, sometimes it's gross, but it's even like when it's gross, I can be tricked into it. Like when they were doing Swedish fish Oreos, I was like, you know, that's fucking disgusting. Or, or, or the, uh, what's it called? Uh, flaming hot mountain dew. It's like, that's fucking disgusting, but it does lead us to like the sweet tarts, jelly beans, which are like super fucking good. And like the nerds, the jumbo nerds, which is a candy that I really like. That's like crunchy on the outside and like gummy on the inside. And it's like, if, I mean, obviously our cell phones, I don't even think our cell phones really get better as the models. Cause I can't tell a difference, but I have the newest iPhone. I can't tell a difference from the older iPhones. I don't know anything. And I don't know what, you know, the dynamic Island is on the new iPhone. Like, I don't know any of that shit, but like, I know candy and I know that like these mega corporations were just like, Hey, if we do some shit together, maybe we can get a cool treat. And I, I appreciate that. That's, that's the capitalist innovation that I was looking for. Yeah. But now, so I am indebted to, to Walmart. It is, it is what there is to do here. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it also, you know, I, I, I go there and I discover new culture. Like I fucking go there and I discover that I like Keith Urban now. Like I'll, nice. you know, I didn't know who any of his songs. I don't either. I mean, for the longest time, I got him mixed up with that guy that was in Lord of the Rings, uh, Carl Urban. Urban. Um, (laughs) And I, I don't know, but I just, I, I always assumed people were exaggerating when they said you mellow out in your thirties. 
but I, I think the joke is on me because now I am 31 and I listen to country music and drink nothing but Miller High Life. Look, I got into country music. Oh, maybe in my late 20s, early 30s is when I really, 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 I mean, like where I grew up, you know, they played like David Allen Coe and uh, Hank Williams Jr. And that's why I like, like people are always like, or, or people will say like, I only listen to like the conservative country guys. And it's like, that's just because where I grew up, that was what people listened to. So like you hear a fucking Hank Williams Jr. song 500 fucking times when you're a kid, it's going to be the thing that is in your ears, not like the folky stuff. Like we didn't listen to that, like kind of more progressive country music that's just what we listen to and uh once i got into it i think i got into it because my dad i knew that my dad would be disappointed in me if i got into country music and i was totally fucking right he was so disappointed in me and my he was just like huh my son you know he watches wrestling and he listens to country music it's just it's a sh he has told me it's a shame that that i use whatever intellect he thinks i have to listen to country music and watch wrestling that's funny no i mean i i think that uh your dad would be even more disappointed if he you know if it were me i mean i literally i watch fox news and i do actually like the i i mean i'm i'm definitely not like in the hipster vein of you know i like the old country you know the progressive stuff or whatever about social mm -hmm. justice like you know i mean I, I i like johnny cash fine you know dolly Parton, fine uh you know willie nelson uh you know the classics fine, yeah. that nelly kind of album with tim mcgraw uh <laughs> loretta lynn that uh you know obviously rest in peace uh uh just passed um i tim mcgraw makes a mean cologne by the way uh and let me and, go let ahead, me give sorry. you one recommendation Mars. Um, I think that you might like Jamie Johnson. It's J-A-M-E-Y Johnson. Look up the song In Color, which is about old photographs. And he is, and I he's one of my favorite country guys currently, uh, because first of all, he's still alive. Secondly, uh, he canceled a show because they wouldn't let him carry a gun on stage. <laughs> <laughs> just, I can't think of anything more beast than that. Like, uh, uh, nope. If you're not going to let me open carry, I'm not going to perform. I'm like, damn, get it, dude. The one I hate is Aaron Lewis from Stain. Like, I can't, I can't abide him. I don't like him calling himself a hillbilly and being from Massachusetts. That really bugs me for some reason, because I just don't, you can't, that's, it's a different thing in massachusetts and like new york and stuff it's not it's not hillbillies you can say redneck but like he's not that he was in a fucking metal band like <laughs> i just I, I can't allow him to do that because he seems like a prick so so this week uh i wanted to play something you do love fox news q mars is a fox news guy and uh i decided that hey you know i'm not gonna let him be in his comfort zone but i'm gonna let him be a little in his area um how much do you pay attention to the blades uh not that much i'll see the occasional clip but 
I I admit I tuned out when Glenn Beck went sweater vest mode. I think you would like the blaze number one because it's uh, maybe not. I like the idea that you're like a Fox news guy because it is like 10% less psycho than like OAN or the place. It's like, has I don't mean, appeal to just because the production quality is so low, like diamond yeah. and silk have a show on OAN that oh, literally God. just looks, it looks worse than a, youtube live stream and who did i i hit yeah. tony i hit tony Fox boswell. Has the production values they do i hit tony boswell for minion death called i hipped him to a uh, diamond and silk interview with papa john that uh, right, i heard that one <laughs> i had been no, the episode not the <laughs> not the diamond and silk interview <laughs> i'd been planning to do it but i was like you know what man I, I can't listen to this. It was, I got like 10 minutes into diamond and silk doing their like opening monologue. And I was like, you know what? Or duo log or whatever you call it. Uh, I said, you know what? I can't, I can't fucking do it. And I realized that what I was really waiting for was for them to let him say the word. And they weren't going to do that. Like he won't say the word ever again in public. You know what I mean? Like he's, I think he's moved past the, using slurs in public <laughs> mode phase of his life so i was just like you know what i give up but there is probably some kind of funny audio in there you know what i mean like like I, sure, Papa yeah. john is so sweaty and weird and like diamond and silk now i saw them give a speech live once uh it was in the very early days of their thing. It was uh, me and me and Matt went to uh, Cleveland for the Republican National Convention, and uh, Alex Jones like put on a whole stage. He had like the whole day on this stage. So like Milo came out and spoke on it. Uh, Diamond and Silk came out and spoke on. It. Like it was just like all day. And it was incredible. You'd have fucking loved it. It was just, and then Eric Andre came and made a whole mess of it, which I also thought was really funny. Like he came up and started bugging. Uh, he started bugging him. And also I, I took a picture. <laughs> I actually took some pretty, some pictures that if people saw them now, they'd be very mad at me. <laughs> but I took a picture with Chris Hayes from uh, the, the TV show on MSNBC. Oh yeah, I know. I know Chris Hayes. You know, Chris Hayes was an early, um, uh, speaking of Patreon, which uh, I also, I want to say, I, I forgot to mention, I definitely second, uh, everyone should follow uh, or subscribe on Patreon, as I do, uh, to Street Fight Radio. But uh, he was an early supporter of Delete Your Account on Patreon. Like, gave I, I, this is a little bit, I mean, this is like, uh, so long ago now that I, I feel like I can talk about it. But without him, I don't know if we would have um, uh, made the kind of money early on that we did that kind of let us know that we were doing something right. At least we were at the time. Um, and uh, uh, he may have changed his mind because uh, after a few months, I, I don't remember what it was. Maybe we weren't mad enough about Russia or something, or uh, maybe he, you know, some 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 other sexier podcast came along. Um, but he gave us a, an important boost at the beginning. So watch what you say. Uh, the, well, you know, the next few was, words could be decisive. He wasn't the most problematic guy I took a picture with because so we're leaving town and uh, we're, we're, we're getting ready to leave. We look over and who's smoking a cigarette 
but uh, Tucker Carlson, like on the side of the road. So because I was there for work and Matt was driving, I was like, I'll take a picture of Tucker smoking a cigarette, you know? And we were sitting in traffic and he walked up and stuck his fucking head in the car window and said, go ahead and get a picture. So I handed the phone to Matt and there's a picture of me in the passenger seat with Tucker leaning his head in through the window. <laughs> and take, it was so confrontational. It was the, he was so fucking confrontational that they, I, it's a possibility he knew we were goofing, but it was maybe a little bit too early in the Chapo run because it was 2016. Like they were just getting started. That I don't think he knew them, but like uh, I was kind of, I was kind of like, I was so nervous <laughs> being around him. But I took a picture. I took a picture with Milo, and I can't find any of those pictures. I also took a picture holding a shovel. Uh, they, they had this photo op there where you could hold a shovel and wear a hard hat. It said, like, build the wall for Trump. So I took that picture. <laughs> they also let me sling a gun over my back, too. They had a fucking shotgun, and they just handed it to me. I'm like, here, take a picture. So uh, I took a bunch of pictures at that thing with all of those fucking freaks. And uh, I don't even actually know what happened with them after that. But I have a real freak here. Now, do you follow... Or do you know about um, Jim Brewer, what he's up to currently? So I have seen Jim Brewer on the Greg Gutfeld show, oh, which yeah. um, I, I, you know, again, to level with, with the audience, I haven't been watching as much Fox News recently because uh, I... Depression. I've been realizing, yeah, that it's actually not after being told this yeah. for like 10 years, I'm, I'm finally realizing, uh, uh, in my moment of crisis that there's something to it, that it's just not good for my mental health. I need other things in my life, like, yes. you know, right wing music and right wing movies. And, yeah. Don't um, let it bum you out. It's like yeah. a thing where like you, you, you do it for, I think like with me, right. It was like, I do this for content uh, and I try very fucking, I try as hard as I can to, to separate it. So like yeah. there are days where I will like, so on Monday, I always listen to like YKS and a few of those like uh, uh, comedy podcasts. I, I, I try to listen to some comedy stuff. I have been listening to some Howard Stern just for fun because I'm not doing him on Shocktober this year. I rotated him out because honestly, it's boring. He's just like a regular lib now. It's yeah. like, he's basically, dude, he's basically just doing like Randy Rainbow's act. So I decided <laughs> that I would cycle him out and do some regional stuff bob and tom you might have heard of them because you know they would be us uh in illinois act um so i have been paying attention to jim brewer a lot like we have played him so much on this fucking show because i am obsessed with him i i'll straight up say it you know how people are always like oh you're obsessed with me and that's so bad and i'm like nope it's not because I just get obsessed with guys sometimes and I can't get away from them. And Jim Brewer is a guy that like right wing media likes him because he's anti-vax. 
So like they have, it's, he's one of those guys that has to pretend, they have to pretend that he's funny. So like, I really enjoy when the right wing backs, backs themselves into a corner and has to pretend something's funny. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things that they do. Yeah. I mean, that's the basic conceit of the Greg Gutfeld show is that the, I mean, he's supposed to be something of a humorist oh, and yeah. they all consider him. I mean, he's from like, you know, the Bay area or whatever and has um, hipster sensibilities. He, you know, he knows Ramon's songs and that makes him by definition, the sort of cultural ambassador to the world of cool. And that show has been, first of all, extremely successful. Like they get higher ratings than all of the uh, late night shows. And they talk about it constantly. Yeah. Um, And, but yeah, go ahead. That is, that is not because they're good. No, in fact, it's the opposite. It's because it doesn't matter how good they are. People just want this to be a, a thing so badly that there's a place conservatives can go and just kind of hear racism recited as a, like in joke format. And <laughs> it's, there is a really remarkable extent, I think to which Jim Brewer is um, even below par for that milieu. Like there are, comedians that will i mean you know people like i mean jim norton and and uh greg are old friends and he used to always go mm-hmm. on red eye and so jim norton Anthony. will occasionally come on every the set itself makes everyone less funny almost like i think jim norton occasionally says funny things like there are occasionally people that say uh humorous things jim brewer has never once even told a joke with like an identifiable structure yeah anthony I, I think, and Gutfeld probably does, Gutfeld used to have Anthony on all the time. I yeah. don't, I don't think Anthony can be on, I don't think he can be on Fox anymore. Uh, no, I think part of it was that there was a period of time when everyone was, you know, the, the first, the first major wave of cancellations post Trump, if you will. Uh, and I know you will. The, uh, Kumia had its sort of like, um, you know, obviously like a set, a racism incident or two that made him particularly untouchable. But part of it was just that like Gavin McInnes also like became too toxic and he was sort of, I mean, he was on Anthony Cumia's thing. Right. So, I mean, he, I don't think he has the show anymore. Right. But he still goes on there and fucks around. uh, Um, He does. uh, Anthony does a live from the compound still. And, yeah, no, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Gavin doesn't Gavin. have the the Gavin McInnes show anymore. Yeah, he's that. with he's with Anthony again, and I think he does his own show. We actually on the Opie and Anthony episode of our Shocktober, we played a little bit of Anthony and Gavin, and uh, it was a thing where they were saying uh, that white people invented rock and roll because <laughs> they're so mad because people <laughs> said black people invented it. <laughs> it was just like, golly, you just. You, everything has to be racist with you. Like you just can't do any. Yeah, he's untouchable. He can't. He's never going back on. Fox. I, I mean, he's not even on Twitch. He's on that other thing. Yeah, that I, people do. What happened with with with? Uh, I mean, Gavin McInnes was that he was just so obviously 
um, what younger conservatives wanted to hear that I think at, at a certain point, they kind of just made a, a decision that, and this wasn't even before, this was even before like Proud Boys, I think became the, the kind of the known as the kind of militia that they actually are. And at the time, it was mostly just like stuff that he himself had said that was incredibly um, embarrassing even for the right. But they, when they were trying to find a new host for Red Eye after, you know, Greg kind of decided he didn't want to do it anymore. Cause I mean, it's a, it was a fucking weird show. They would recorded it midnight and it would air at 3 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. And, I, used to talk, yeah. I know some people that have been on it. Oh, I do. I know. I know you do. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think at, at that point they did a series of rotating guest kind of hosts to see who was popular with the fans and they would pull people and the fans of the show, they rotated between like Tom Shalhoub who eventually got it and like similar kind of people like that. There's another kind of comedian that always goes on, on, on Greg's show. Um, and of all of them, Gavin McInnes was like, he, he was popular with, let's say, a plurality of the uh, viewership. They gave him, I think, like 40% plus of their viewers out of maybe five, six, seven options um, wanted him when they were polled. And of course, they gave it to this guy who's like, you know, a clean comedian um, and has pretty like socially conservative views, but also like an extremely wholesome image. Um, and the show didn't last much longer after that, but it was oh, this no. moment, it pissed Gavin off. I think he's said as much that that was the moment where he kind of realized that it wasn't going to work out with Fox because they weren't willing to not, certainly not without somebody who can kind of be, I don't know if you can call Tucker tactful, but like he made it work somehow. Like Gavin like is basically on the same level of fascist as Tucker Carlson. It's yeah. just that he doesn't have it. Uh, he doesn't, I don't Dude, really know how to put suit. it. He yeah. He wear a suit. He doesn't. And Gavin just that. He will Gavin, wear a suit, but it'll be like a pink tweed suit that <laughs> looks like a fucking, a villain in a Stanley Kubrick movie would wear. And he did comedy. Gavin, Gavin maybe does a little too much. Com- I know that Tucker does comedy uh, because I've listened to every single Tucker appearance on Bubba the Love Sponge. So I do know that Tucker has like a fun loving sort of thing in there. But like Bubba is the only place he's ever done this stuff. So and he already got in trouble for that. Um, and I, you know, I don't even think he really got in trouble. I, I just think people were like, fuck, man, this guy. I think he got fired, but he just got rehired immediately. And um, I think that, like, Tucker comes off as news, where Gavin comes off as comedy. And you can get away with a lot more racism if you're doing news than you can with comedy, I think. And I think that's why, you know, Tucker is somebody that gets to that Tucker is somebody that gets to just be racist and have a job. And, and Gavin McInnes is, you know, now just hustling with Anthony on YouTube and, and uh, you know, talking about moving to Greenville, South Carolina and taking over the town. One of the saddest clips I've ever heard. Um, 
he, he, him and Anthony were fantasizing about how they're going to move down to Greenville, South Carolina, and they'll be running the town. And it's like, nobody will like you there. Nobody wants New Yorkers running around saying that they own the town <laughs> in, in South Carolina. So Jim Brewer did a guest spot this week on Glenn Beck's podcast, episode 154. And uh, I thought me and QMars would go through and check out some Brewer, man. What's the brew dog doing when he's serious? You know, uh, this interview, uh, very fake laughing from Glenn. It is fucking sad that poor Jim Brewer was a top of the world guy, you know, could have been around forever. Now he's like not even funny enough for Glenn Beck, you know, like, like Glenn Beck is having to fake laugh for him, which is very depressing. But here is our first clip of Brewer. Uh, title of the podcast is Jim Brewer doesn't care if you think his comedy is too political. <laughs> I mean, look, I do, but like I get like I get like saying like he thinks his pol comedy is apolitical. You know what I mean? And and we'll hear him talk a bit about that. But here's our first clip. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's good. No, that's good. <laughs> Where are we? I don't know. I think we start over there. <laughs> um, it, it, I've been saying for a while that it, it's not that we aren't a religious uh, people or don't worship God. We just worship our own gods. Could be your car, could be your job. Right now, it's a lot of people's job or their station in society. They're not willing to do the right thing or say the right thing. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, first of all, this is two guys with a bunch of fucking money that are like, people worship their jobs. It's fucking crazy. And I'm like, in order to get where they are, you sort of have to worship your job. Like, you, you can't get where they are without like spending all of your time thinking about your job. You know, there was, there had to be a time in Jim Brewer's career where he wasn't exactly present for the people in his life, because the only way to do this is to, you know, give over everything like, like Brewer, when he was doing goat boy was probably never fucking home. But uh, he's going to answer this question in the most crazy way possible. And the it's like morals. I, I sit there and everything is well, well, I'm saying that, too. But if you turn on television, I noticed this when I was a kid. I'd watch the news and that's the first time when I realized. What is the news? Because they don't bring anything good every day. Death. <laughs> Horror, murder, kidnapping, <laughs> terrorist, <laughs> disease, bad weather, and your team lost. See you tomorrow <laughs> with the facts and the channel you trust. <laughs> See, how sad is that? How sad is Glenn Beck? Just sitting there in his stupid denim jacket, laughing his head off at nothing. He just said fucking nothing, this guy. But I like this. I like this clip a lot because of the fact that this is a guy 
that that really does think he's apolitical and that he formed his ideology when he was a, a child and like that's what he's admitting there is like and there's something sad about that to me in a way because like when i was a kid you know so i was very conservative for a period of my life and that period would be from like probably eight reactionary is a better word i think i don't know the what it really means but i know that like every time something happened i had the worst possible opinion on it i think <laughs> for a period of my life and That's a pretty uh good definition <laughs> <laughs> yeah because isn't reactionary sort of like like uh something happens and then you're like lock them up like immediately like you make like you you say something you say like the the uh just the first thing that comes to your head and it's usually fucking evil. I think that's a definition of of the word. I think it's in when people use it politically it's more to mean that you are a it's kind of the opposite of like revolutionary in the kind of the old you know like the political spectrum yeah. the way we talk about it kind of goes back to the French revolution and like you know what side of parliament the revolutionaries and the 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 conservatives uh, uh sat on and um that kind of that designation of reactionary it comes from this idea of like being opposed to revolutionary change that at least when these terms were codified was like occurring or like potentially occurring and uh so it technically means being opposed to like progress i guess okay. um but you know i think it takes a lot of different forms i mean you know there's there's a uh, uh, you can have a reactionary reaction or you could have a progressive reaction. It's funny because I, when I was a kid though, like very young, I probably would have, if you had quizzed me on my politics, probably would have been a leftist because, you know, kids are kind of like, ah, why can't everybody, you know, share and everything be good. And, uh, hearing this guy talk about when I was a kid, uh, I was <laughs> conservative i was watching the news i guess <laughs> and it was very weird i think there's more here <laughs> brought to you by all these sponsors keep pushing it <laughs> oh my god how do you not see that and then i so that's a thing how do you not see now. that yep. that's a thing he does now q mars that's uh everything's a nazi uh how do you not see that? So the next thing I'm going to play here is a commercial. And uh, it's a commercial Glenn Beck cuts in, and it's one of the fucking weirdest things I've ever heard. You might be familiar with this, but here we go. From uh, the comedy of Jim Brewer and, uh, and talk to you about preborn. We know that abortion has been a horror show in this country. 63 million babies since the beginning of Roe versus Wade. The blue states and California, I just talked about it this week. Um, Proposition one is going to make infanticide, I think, infanticide uh, legal. It will. Oh, that's your opinion. It will, is it? <laughs> you got to hear the next slide. It'll kill you. At least positively take it up to a birthday abortion. On their birthday, they can be killed. <laughs> I don't know what this law is, but my guess is that you're not like going to be allowed to conk a baby on the head as soon as it's born or whatever. 
Yeah, um, I don't actually know about it either. I I should. I mean, I I have only been gone from from California for a while, but um, my impression is that it is just kind of codifying in the, at the level of the state constitution the right to an abortion as well as uh, a, a birth control, contraceptives, the like. So it's going to get worse in some states. Um, we're battling evil and to battle evil, we have to battle it with good and battle it with truth, eternal truths. I want to talk to you a little bit about preborn. This is a company that we've been working uh, for. It's more of a ministry than a company, um, but they're the direct competitor of, of Planned Parenthood. They are in California. They are in New York there. Okay. So this is a commercial where you can pay money to something i i couldn't really i i he explains it but i didn't understand it so i gave up on it and uh i just like that he had a promo code for that and also that uh it looks like he is it, it's the uh uh you know what I, you know those abortion centers that they put across the street from planned parenthood that are just sure. pure fucking evil i think that's what that was and uh, but yeah, I, I just was little nervous that they were going to make it uh, legal to uh, abort a baby on their birthday, which is, you know, that's scary, I guess. So the next question is my favorite kind of question. Here we go. Do it. A lot of the problem has come from um, comedians being afraid or actually being part of it. I don't know what happened to comedy. I but think, yeah, you, you know, you, I think people would say if they would watch, let's say somebody had to say it. Um, okay. Uh, Brewers comedy specials called somebody had to say it. And we played the first 15 minutes of it on the show, <laughs> like when it came out and, it really is him saying like, oh, you want the vaccine? And then talking out of his butt, like saying like, oh, the, you know, it's a fart. You know, the vaccine must be a fart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is really, that's his style of, of comedy from what I gather is, you know, he's a sort of a, a one man, like funny face and sound effects machine. And he, a lot of his routine is just like, blowing out the mic with screams and like motorboats sputtering but then i've been saying this about a lot of people really to be honest why why do the politics stuff like like i, I guess it is a a hustle right like so if you're going out and you're doing just regular stand-up apolitical which i know you know, nothing's really apolitical, but if you're going out there and you're doing like Ray Romano type stuff, uh, I guess there isn't like money in that anymore because it like everybody wants to hear their thing. That's what I see a lot on like Twitter, right? Is like some TV show comes out and people are like, Oh yeah. I think this show is leftist and I'm like, I don't think it is, but I'm glad that you see that in it. <laughs> you know, like people will often, I, you know, I've watched it happen so much over the years, like ascribe these things to the writers of stuff. 
where you're like, I don't think that was their intention, but if you see that, that's like really great. And maybe it's subconscious, but I do think that like we have hit a point where people want to see entertainment and I hate to, I don't, I'm not trying to sound like a, you know, like a conservative crank, but I do think people want to see entertainment that, that aligns with their values maybe more now than has ever happened in history. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. I, you know, I, I tend on the whole, I tend not to think that's a bad thing in the abstract. I mean, it happens to have also coincided and I truly do think it is a coincidence in some ways uh, with the fact that there's just not as much good stuff anyway. Like, so <laughs> it lets a lot of like the creative energy go towards stuff that's just kind of politically uh, correct to quote, you know, to coin yeah. a phrase. I mean, I don't actually I think that, that that stuff necessarily is um, always very socially progressive, uh, but I do think that this the the idea that well we if we can't make a good movie at least maybe we can make one that like doesn't you know particularly offend anybody um i you know i think that that's that's in a way more of like a symptom um of the fact that you know things have gotten worse in a lot of ways as far as people especially you know as far as people's perception of it is concerned uh, you know things like politics and stuff was really fucked up before too but in the last decade people have come into a sort of political consciousness um they're they're still not you know as politically literate as a lot of other global populations uh, uh certainly in america but we um are still, you know, we're learning how to read. Some people are learning to read very badly. Um, and the stuff that they're reading is also uh, a part of the problem because you have this, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen these, you know, some, a lot of these Marvel movies, but I guess some oh, of I them. Have. Every one of them. Yeah. I guess some of them have, well, I don't know about people are complaining about this she Hulk or whatever. Um, I don't care about that. Like I, I, if people want to, you know, if people want to still have kind of, uh, wholesome feminist messages that were uh, not out of place maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago. That's, that doesn't like really bother me that much. I do think that the it, it, people do tend to conflate the general lack of quality in a lot of stuff these days with the fact that, um, you know, it's gotten somewhat more progressive. And I, 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 I generally think that those are both kind of maybe related to the same thing, but not really causally. I think I, 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 I gotta say that like, and I hate to say this. I, so I said the word virtue signaling on the POD cast. So trust me, I, I have uh, been there and said bad stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was talking about incubus, by the way, I was just saying that it's virtue signaling to say that you like incubus instead of corn. Um, but like, um, I think, I think that like, my preference would be my preference in this world. I don't mind that things have a more progressive sort of uh, uh, language in them or, or that, that like things are trying to have better politics. I, I think for, for me, I would really rather people interpret things that I would rather have people interpret things that aren't specifically intended to 
to make you feel that way because i do think that like okay yeah there are progressive themes in like she hulk and like uh uh you know that last halloween movie had some themes but it's like all that ends up really doing is 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 pissing off one group of people in order to make another group of people say hey this thing's really good i you know what i mean like it it, it is to sell to one group of people and then piss off another group of people because because it just sort of uh, uh because they don't like those messages and i do feel like there's a way to kind of make progressive stuff that isn't just like god damn man uh, she hulk is like 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 bell hooks or something like that but it's not i don't think it is i've never watched she hulk by the way and uh i will never watch she hulk uh because i don't watch the marvel tv shows but uh let's see what jim thinks about comedy because i think it's very weird they would say oh this is very political but it's not it's Gl not glenn what blows my mind is how many people say oh you're political now i asked them what part is political first i'm talking about you trying to stick a needle in me is that political or yes. did you Make get it. conned mm -hmm. and brainwashed mm. to when, think it's when political is medicine when is medicine political, political. <laughs> i i specifically wanted to play that for you great minds think alike <laughs> Two guys just fucking saying something that is so incredibly stupid. It that that line, when is medicine political, is maybe one of the greatest conservative guy lines I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've I've heard it a lot over the past few years, but you know, that it's I mean, it's just a version of I mean, have we been hearing a version of this since the Obamacare debates. I mean, before it was even called Obamacare, right? It's just this idea that like, um, you know, politics should be kept out of medicine, which means, you know, just pure kind of corporate dominance. Right. But right. In this yeah. case, it's, you know, they, I mean, they went a little further than that because I mean, you know, whether it's public or private or what do you, whatever you call it, um, you know, people, people should be able to, to to mandate vaccinations for uh for for public health reasons and the idea that like they're you know at, but that's like that's something that that conservatives um i mean they're they have a worldview that kind of allows them to decide what's political based on what's just kind of deviating from uh, from from what they claim is tradition because whatever yeah. was before is normal right it's not political which by the way Vaccines were normal. Yeah. Fucking thing. Before this, vaccines were like a no brainer for everybody. This, for some reason, is when they decide, like, I'm going to take a stand against vaccines. Because I know there was an anti vax movement, but I don't think it had gained much steam no. until now. And it wasn't really, it wasn't as much of just a right wing thing. It was like, you know, wellness types and people that, I mean, some of, there's some overlap, obviously that are conservatives in these circles, but like people that, you know, want to have unpasteurized milk and stuff like that. Yeah. It's that it was those types. And 
it was politicized. I think it does, it does say a lot that they've just sort of invented, this does, I think, line up with a lot of other conservative kind of projections onto the past of the traditions they would, they would like to assert now um, that, yeah, vaccines weren't politicized in that way previously. Mm-hmm. They kind of retroactively decided that, that some violation had occurred here when, I mean, we didn't even really have vaccine mandates, but no. you know, some, some employers maybe did. And, and it was still this extreme, um, kind of to do uh, about, you know, vaccine passports and whatever. And there was this sense that, I mean, people were like, you know, whatever, Glenn Greenwald were talking about how this is like the war on terror. And he's a good uh, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, I know, but like they got the, they have this language now and they don't even need him anymore. Yeah. They on rumble. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rumble. Fucking rumble is the funniest website to me. <laughs> he's always like there's 10 million people on rumble now it's like motherfucker there are not 10 million people even watching tv you you fucking idiot yeah but they i mean i think that that's that's part of it is that that anything that's kind of makes them uncomfortable um obviously vaccines just got kind of swept up in this overall resistance to taking real public health measures i think at a certain point it, it was an irrational um, kind of logical consequence of a lot of the other contrarian lib owning tendencies that conservatives have developed, but it's, yeah, it's taken on a, a, a mind of its own where you'll have, for example, Tucker Carlson talking about how horrible the vaccine is, even though Fox news has a vaccine mandate and everybody who goes into work there is vaccinated. Yeah, of and, course. Yeah. Well, and they didn't, Fox News didn't need the mandate. Everybody that works there was going to get it. You know, it, it, it's the thing with Trump who who like won't say that he got it, but you the dude the dude gets the 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 goddamn boosters every time. He's a he's he's one of those rich guys. Like all the rich guys got it. You know, uh, they're just it's they're telling people not to get it because. I mean, it's ratings, I guess. And again, you're right. Lib owning tendencies where it is these people also that are like, yeah, the libs want you to get it. And then the libs play right into it, which is always fun. Like, that's the other thing I see is like, why do you play into this stuff? Just, you know, ignore it. it, it, It's not helping. They're not going to get the vaccine just because you tell them to get the vaccine. At least they stopped celebrating people's deaths, which secretly there was a period where I was actually celebrating people's deaths. So I can't really get on them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I know, I know like liberals can be annoying. You know, I'm not, I would never dream of denying that. I think that there's uh, there's an extent to which just saying, you know, you should get it um is not it shouldn't be like inherently kind of provocative right and there were as you were saying kind of obnoxious responses i mean being patronizing never helps but i didn't see that much of that i saw enough that i understand what people are talking about right. but i also think there's a lot with a lot of this stuff there's so much um there's already so much momentum behind the right wing reactionary tendency mm-hmm. 
that it can be easy to overstate the extent to which like the 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 provocations from like liberals or the left or whatever like is actually necessary i think that when if they if if liberals happen to not be particularly obnoxious about getting the 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 vaccine um in a given instance it doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know conservatives aren't going to take it as a provocation they usually do anyway yeah i think the worst crime for liberals to to be totally honest here and this is just my opinion i mean for me obviously ignoring the punching left is very annoying right but i really think the most the biggest crime they have is is being corny really in the end and i think conservatives are corny too but i also think that conservatives like after the tea party are less corny than they used to be. You know, I think they realized that like dressing up like Thomas Jefferson with tea bags in your hat was a little goofy and they weren't going to draw younger people. So they're, they're like trying, they're trying. Now, when I end up on like, I don't know, looking at Randy Rainbow's Twitter or something like that, I'm like, fuck, man, I don't know what world I would. I I don't live in the same world as these people. Like, I I just, I don't, I don't know. It is so weird. But I also think that like, that's the, the, the thing about cancel culture is that like liberals don't really do it. You know, I, I always find it so weird that the conservatives are able to get like sort of mad about the cancel culture thing when I, I don't ever see anybody other than just saying like, Hey, I don't like this, uh, say that somebody should, you know, be gone forever. It's generally just somebody saying, I don't like this. All the people that have been canceled are doing just fine. Probably better since the cancellation really. Yeah. It's, I mean, look I at all the look at all the liberal kind of, you know, magazines or newspapers or whatever. They're constantly running op-eds about how like bad wokeness is and how the yep. Democrats are going to lose because of pronouns. And it's a joke to say, I think that liberals are really like the biggest kind of partisans in the culture war. Cause I mean, you don't, you know, have to go back that far. And I realize you can argue things have changed since then, but like the Obama administration, you remember, you know, fairly well compared to a lot of people perhaps today, they, administration was not like socially liberal and you know economically conservative or whatever like they were like pretty conservative across the board and the first term they weren't even for gay marriage like it was fucking biden that came out and kind of forced his hand (laughs) and obama finally was like yeah well you know if the you know if something happened i would probably be for it um but that was like right when the polling hit 50 percent on uh-huh. the american kind of uh population of the percentage that supported gay marriage and um you know they were still there was still a lot as in the among the democrats even among um you know obama officials there was a lot of dragging of feet around issues that we would consider like you know identity politics issues and uh 
that's why I'm, I'm always a little skeptical that, uh, that, that those issues are just always kind of brought up cynically as a way to distract from class issues. Like they didn't need fucking when Clinton was triangulating and, uh, selling everything out uh, to, uh, you know, to, to multinational corporations and deregulating wall street. He didn't need to like also be super racial justice he just yeah. kind of did it and in the last 10 years or so i think we have seen to an extent more you could say yeah uh, uh more kind of anti-racist and 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 feminist um uh politics become appropriated by by liberalism and and that has I think thrown a lot of people for a loop, but it's important to kind of, yeah, I think bear in mind that these are still kind of left-wing politics and the liberal versions of them always um, end up being compromises, if not explicit calls for compromise with the right. And I think that, that both sides-ness is, is something that characterizes liberalism and the problem with liberalism way more than the uh, myopic, patronizing kind of uh, rhetoric, which I agree is also a problem, but then I think the left probably also has a problem with that in certain instances. Uh, I do think also, if I'm being fair, the the left has several corny tendencies too. Yeah. (laughs) But I also think like, for me, it's like, I don't, I don't like mind. It's not like I hold back on making fun of the corny left tendencies too. I, you know, it, it it is like the part of it is part of like mainstreaming your ideology. I think to 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 maybe have some cornball stuff in your in your uh, uh, whatever your backpack or your your as one of your weapons to have maybe a few memes that people like me aren't gonna like. But like, I mean, but, but, but like people don't like, like, (laughs) I mean, the stuff that I don't like is the same as like the way, like when people ask me about comedy, right? Like, Hey, you know, what comedy do you like? I'm like, none of it. I don't like fucking none of it. And I think that's very common for people who do it for their job where you're just like, I I don't know. I don't think I like any of it. And like, uh, I, I respect a lot of comics and stuff like that. And I respect what people do, but to me, it's like in order to get people to pay attention to something, you absolutely do have to have, you know, memes and, and like corny stuff in it too. It's not, it's not like a negative thing necessarily because there's only like a hundred, there's probably only like 2000 people like me in the whole world. So it's kind of like I, you know, for me, I just shut up about it. But like, um, I always just feel like, like I would love for, I would love for them to the the to think that like a lot of the justice stuff, the the social justice stuff that that people complain about, you know, there's leftists that complain about it, there's right wing people that complain about it, and like in in my mind, it's like, I mean, it's like not enough. You know what I mean? Like, like people think it's too much and I think it's kind of not enough. 
I, I think one of the things we set out to do very early on with Street Fight was, you know, obviously it didn't take, I mean, I guess some of it took in, in a way, but like we, we set out to do something that was specifically leftist, that was funny, that you could play for somebody that's not a leftist and, and they would, they would enjoy it. That's what we set out to do with the TV show. That's what I always set out to do is like, I just want to impart values through, through something, you know, some sort of like values the same way that my daughter is kind of left, you know, uh, well, very actually probably, you know, she yells at me, she, she yells at me when I'm listening to shock jocks. Like she hears it because I'll be doing my Legos and I'm playing like Howard Stern because I'm working on getting audio for the shows. Yeah. And she's like, what are you listening? Because they'll say something that's like a teenager now would never expect it would be part of mainstream stuff. And I think I never preached to her or anything. She just kind of got it through osmosis. And, you know, obviously not every kid can go to like, dsa conventions and and fucking live shows where a bunch of leftists show up but like uh i i do think that like some kind of culture could help and i do think that there is a place in this world for i don't know something like the sexy liberal podcast network right like there's a place in this world for that i just don't like that what ends up happening with them is like uh i retweeted a post yesterday where and this is something i don't give a shit about by the way this is just something i wanted to the, the uh the new york times posted that um the national debt is some amount i don't fucking know 30 billion or trillion or whatever whatever the national debt is who gives a shit um i but under that i'm i'm scrolling down through the replies to that post and there's like there's liberal people in those replies saying like, well, you didn't have to publish this now. Uh, the midterm, this isn't going to help with the midterms. And it's like, well, you know, in a perfect world, the news isn't going to help with the midterms. <laughs> you know? And it was just like, what, what, what is like, why am I not allowed to say bad stuff now? Mm because the mid do you know what i mean like why can't if 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 joe biden lying about the two thousand dollars why isn't that something i can bring up now i mean you know i maybe it's not politically expedient for them but like he did fucking lie you know it, it was a straight up lie and uh that sucks and it made me maybe never want to vote for a democrat again yeah i think that's a i mean that's a fair point is that you shouldn't i mean i i think that you you shouldn't be um silencing good points for pure political expediency i think in a lot of cases though it's not like um with the two thousand dollars that you're necessarily going to be helping republicans no. um by doing max it's not like they're coming out and saying oh we, we're gonna give you guys more money right now they're <laughs> yeah. still complaining about the however many thousand you know whether it's 10 or twenty thousand, depending on who you are that like a few people are getting um uh forgiven in their student debt uh, uh ledgers and 
you know, I think that there are things that the liberal press focuses on that are actually harmful uh, to Democrats' chances in the midterms, but it's more stuff like, like, you know, kind of lending credence to the, 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 the hysteria about wokeness. Like there was just another like billion thousand word article about, you know, some fucking wokeness controversy from like 2016 at the Guggenheim in the Atlantic. (laughs) And there was, you know, again, I mean that there's like a month or whatever left until the election. And that is something Republicans are running on is wokeness is run amok. And if you don't uh, want to lend credence to their narratives, you know, maybe the kind of flagship publication of, of, of center right East coast liberalism shouldn't be running op-eds like that every two weeks, but they do. And they are stoking the trans panic. And uh, it's, you know, it, it really is, it bears repeating a lot, as you were saying that like the problem with liberals is, 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 you know, not that they're like too concerned about fascism or racism or whatever. It's that they're clearly not concerned enough. And yes, the people that, you know, I think are on the left and have this critique of, 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 you know, liberalism as, um, as something that's just kind of, uh, uh, touchy feely and, and, and all about, uh, uh, you know, a- attending to the needs of sexual and, and ethnic minorities. I think what that, you know, what that misses is, is that, is that at the end of the day, like when you say, let's not talk about those issues as much, you're the one who's saying it's uh, mm-hmm. it, that, that, that it's going too far. Um, and, and, and the reality is like, we, it, it doesn't go far enough what liberals do, but we have to kind of be able to call it out um, on its own terms and not say, well, because that doesn't go far enough, actually what we have to do is only, you know, I don't know, act like it's equally bad for everybody, which is yeah. always, always going to deny the problem to a certain extent, even if we have like, you know, Medicare for all, which I obviously we all support, like the nature of, uh, inequality and the way that people have access to systems means there actually has to be kind of more stop gaps built in and more um, kind of extra protection, access infrastructure to make sure that people who are marginalized still have access to those resources that, you know, if everybody truly does have equitable access would disproportionately benefit, um, you know, minorities and, you know, people of color, uh, trans people, people who are also, you know, more disadvantaged, uh, materially, but you're never going to make up for those deficits uh, uh, that have been that have been imposed by the system if you're not, you know, placing extra kind of attention on those. That's not liberalism necessarily. That's actually, you know, trying to solve particular problems as well as kind of universal applications. Right. Yeah. I. I mean, and and like. As far as like that frustration about things like uh, 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 the frustration about not uh, like, I think some of the frustration with these people that that are I I don't know that that are kind of disenchanted with the left because of whatever uh, racial politics or or feminism or any or, or trans politics. I think that like 
I can certainly in much the same way that I can look at conservatives and be like, I get, I get why you're pissed off. Uh, but like the cynical use of that stuff is it's so hard to put your finger on how to explain the cynical use by liberals of a lot of this rhetoric because it does in at times hurt you know what we're getting when 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 somebody cynically says would medicare for all, how would medicare for all help people of color it's like well it would literally help all you know what i mean and and that but i don't think that's as widespread of a a thing as is out that as people think it is you know? yeah like i don't think it's like a super widespread thing where like i'm in a conversation with somebody in my family that considers themselves a democrat or a liberal and they're saying like well well you know whatever attacking it from from that that end why we can't have these things and it's like uh i get that and it's really fucking frustrating but it's also it's this weird fucking thing with me because you know when i was in school and i was like learning all this stuff the the critical theory and and all of this marxist theory and stuff like that when i was in school uh i would always err on the side of like well you know this isn't like this isn't something like it's not a waste of time to talk about racial justice or or trans issues like that's not a waste of time it's not hurting anybody but they're also they're also neat and and i think also that like i think that most of those people uh marginalized people want medicare for all Yes. and want all of this stuff that's the thing that is like when you go do a live show at like when, when i would do a live show and it was like you know i've talked about this in the past uh the thing that always about my live shows and like at time at the, about the street fight live shows and seriously at times it makes me uh uh misty eyed a bit was that the audience wasn't 99% white men <laughs> you know <laughs> because it is like a thing where like you know that was very possible and and most live a lot of live podcasts are probably 99% white men but but there were always like you know lgbtq people there there were there were always like all sorts of of people and it felt like well we created a space where where people that are marginalized can feel comfortable and uh they know nothing is going to come up on the show that that is going to be bad for them and like i always like prided myself on doing that and i also don't think that we tried that hard to do that you know what i mean like it wasn't a thing that like like of course we'd be like well we have to have more women on the show we have to have more people you know what i mean like we would talk about those things but there was never like some kind of huge you know effort underway to do that it was just sort of like uh showing that you have these values and letting the people that listen to you know that you have these values that like makes 
people feel safe in gathering at a place where the fans of this thing would be. And like, um, I think that like, that is a thing that we, we need more meetings, which I know people hate meetings. We have to figure out how the left can not have, we need some way to get everybody in the same room. You know, because I always felt after a live show, no matter who we were performing with, no matter, you know, what their take on this kind of stuff, because I, I would say that, you know, uh, uh, I would say that, you know, the Chapo guys are on a, a the other side of this for sure. At times, I, I mean, I think some of them are some of them are, you know, they all different guys. But anyway, like. Even I would even say the guys uh, per se aren't the biggest problem in the <laughs> general, but we'll leave it at that. They're sweeties. Uh, but like they, uh, those guys, like, like I would, after their show, you know, we would all hang out with the listeners out by the venue. You've been to a bunch of our shows. You've even performed on one of our shows. Um, so, you know, that like we hang out with the listeners when it's over, no matter which group. And I never, had like a nasty debate with anybody everybody sort of agreed on everything they just didn't agree on uh you know what we should place emphasis on and it would be really nice if there were more conversations that happened where you know we could talk about that stuff but people again i know when the dsa was having their big resurgence or surgeons i don't know what you would call that insurgents right uh it's a pre-surgence the best is yet to come but when that happened right like one of the things that i would hear about was like the meetings are fucking boring and uh the bar nights are fun you know and it's about trying to figure out a way i know that things have to be boring sometimes but like I think that's why people like sort of fell off from it. Cause it was just like, and you know, the urgency was gone. Uh, and I think the pandemic, I, I was going to say this to you at the beginning of the show, but I also think like you not going to that concert, uh, has a lot to do with the pandemic it, it, because, uh, I have turned down a lot of stuff yeah. and I a hundred percent believe that that is two years of lockdown. You're just like, I, I don't feel like I can, I don't feel like I can be in this sort of situation. You know what I mean? Like in this big group of people, yeah. uh, I, I went to wrestling and, uh, well, I've been to wrestling like three times since then. And, and, uh, you know, I went in Chicago to see all out and that was very, I had a lot of fun and I did the Columbus uh, AEW show, which was also a lot of fun. But the one I did before that, I was fucking terrified. I was just so weirded out by the whole thing. Being in a room full of people, I uh, uh, got very dizzy. And uh, I thought I was going to like melt down. This is also pre-ketamine treatment. So, but like, I think people are maybe canceling plans because. Yeah. Get what it's like to have plans. I'm looking into that, by the way. That was something that I was going to uh, talk to you about more because I am, it might be a little hard where I am, but I, after seeing what ketamine has done for you, I, uh, I am willing to take a, 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 a jump into that, into that K-hole. Oh, I'll help you find 
I mean, I, I'll look. I, it might be hard, but there's got to be something within an hour of you, I would guess. For me, you might have to double it, but I'm looking at some places. Yeah. It it changed it changed my fucking life completely. Like, you know, the stuff I'm going through now, obviously, should be I mean, I'll I'll be candid. Like the the stuff with the stuff where this show was ending, uh, where you know our partnership was ending, was something that was really, really, really fucking me up, in and for months. Uh, now, when I think about it, it's obviously not something I thought at the time. This wasn't something that I thought was going to happen. Even three weeks. I, I mean, you know, we did that first show together. I thought we were just going to keep going until, you know, what whatever happened. Uh, but I'm not going to go into like all the ins and outs of it, but I will say that like one of my worst fears was, was something like that happening. And, uh, I have not had a meltdown since, uh, uh, I haven't had a meltdown at all and I was able to do it and we were able to make this decision and make the announcement and we were able to stick to it. And like, I don't know. I just think that like. I think that shit really, I think it's evil that insurance companies won't cover it because it just, yeah. it really fucking, it changed everything for me. Like, I, I, I mean, I had a thing, I, I had a, a pit in my stomach and, and, you know, my life is pretty easy. Uh, I'm, I podcast for a living and work like six hours a week. And, uh, I was constantly, my stomach was was had the feeling like I was going up a hill on a roller coaster and I was at the fucking end of my rope before my therapist was like, have you considered ketamine treatments? And I didn't even tell my psych cause I knew she would talk me out of it. My psychiatrist, I knew she would try to talk me out of it and I did it. And I don't know. I, I just, I feel so fucking great. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I did it in April. It's only supposed to last six to eight months and I'm still doing really fucking well. Like I haven't even had to do a maintenance infusion. Um, it is kind of tiring though. I will tell you that like, um, it's exhausting. Like you're going to have to like really make a commitment because twice a week tripping like that twice a week for five weeks or some shit or however many weeks it is, is like, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> Anybody who's tripped knows that like tripping is exhausting. I sometimes wanted to cancel my appointments, uh, but I, I made a commitment and forced myself to, to go to every single one because people paid for it too. I, I didn't want to like rip people off, but like, uh, I don't know, man, if you're feeling depressed, I think you should try it. If you can get, get your hands on a place don't let people tell you to snort ketamine because literally the second you say that you're thinking about doing ketamine treatments people are going to text you and say like why don't you just snort some man and uh it's not the same thing it doesn't last very long when you snort it you're we're talking about an hour of uh you know tripping and listening to weird music but i can't recommend it more i think i think uh i think it would it works is what I'm trying to say. Like it 100% works. Yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going to look into it. And yeah, I don't, 
I mean, I don't even feel good about the online stuff necessarily. So I'm you know, going to try to enjoy responsibly. I told you, I don't know if I told you this, I've said it on the show, but like the first time, the first infusion I had, uh, as I was going in to the trip, <laughs> I told the lady, like, I don't even know if this is going to work. This seems like hippie bullshit. <laughs> And then I went into the trip and she reminded me of it on the last trip was like, remember when you said this is hippie bullshit? And I'm like, I mean, I thought it was hippie bullshit and your, your office does not, uh, does not change my mind about thinking it. The office is like, had a bunch of hippie bullshit in it. And I was like, it just feels like a hippie thing, but the lady was super nice, but so QMars, I am doing your show. Uh, delete your account on the Halloween special. I have done bonus episodes. I talked wrestling with Nima from from uh, Citations Needed, and uh, I've I've been on the show a lot. And uh, I super appreciate you always believing in me and having me on the show. And uh, I think this might be the smartest of these new this new era episode but i really appreciate you coming on here and uh tell tell people where to find you oh i i bet you say that to all the girls by the way i don't actually <laughs> i say it to all the people i that are important to me <laughs> well, you know what yeah, i mean like yeah, i said yeah. it to you i've said it to you know felix and will and and fucking uh you know chris uh all of my buddies yeah that i always say that too i you're so important to me you're and, uh i appreciate everything you've done for me you no know, you you mean the world to me brian and and of course you know that what you built with brett is just something that i don't think anyone can can touch or, or imitate and, and it's been an inspiration to me uh if you want to see, you know, if folks want to see what you've inspired, uh, delete your account is still kicking. We're, uh, available wherever pods are cast. You can go on Apple podcasts, you know, your podcast app or whatever, uh, patreon.com slash delete your account to find all our episodes, including the bonus ones with Brian and, and, uh, and all your favorite leftist media personalities. We have one coming up. It's going to be our Halloween episode. Uh, we're getting the gang back together from last year, Maddie Lupchansky and Donald Borenstein. And uh, it, it, we're going to get downright spooky. So I hope you'll join us. And thanks for inviting me again, Brian. I'll have you again sometime. I got to get Rokea over here too. But oh, hell uh, yeah. So now is the customary end of the show where I am supposed to explain this to you before at the beginning of the show. As soon as I hit and broadcast it will hang up on you okay and i appreciate you being here i'm not trying to be rude bye bye yeah i smoke a blunt to take the pain out and if i wasn't high i'd probably try to blow my brains out i might grow my stove i drain the pot and scoop the cane out and i can't write my reps because my tears might flood the page out and we've been on the road for like 10 years keeping 20 blicks in a sprinter van shows was hella empty but fuck it i got my niggas in once i started popping i started flying and bitches in then i had a baby yo e and fucked up the wedding plans we could have fixed shit between us but i can fight my demons i never knew shit would lead us to child support subpoenas rap dead beat daddy 
that's how they try to pay me And that's a shame cause those that know me know I love my babies Raven was a rat, she scratched the Benzie and I dropped the charges That hoe know she never had my heart so she attacked my pockets Gotta watch how you rockin' with these groupies, this shit get retarded If it wasn't me, it'd be an athlete though, another artist I smoke a blunt to take the pain out And if I wasn't high, I'd probably try to blow my brains out I ripped that big VL, I brought them T's and them insanes out You open that back door against the gang, give me a bang out The numbers is jumping. left wrist cost a hundred and something you selling apes in 38, bitch, you dug it for nothing My nigga white beat you cases, that was a god blessing He rich enough to lead the streets, beat he too hard-headed All my niggas' energy is rap sale dope Duckin' the reaper, ain't no sleeping when you juggling both My Migo told me fuck that rap shit cause that shit was a joke Lambo can't get me in the booth, I get my hair running boat I gave Diego so much game, I hope he takes something from it I done made plays for my nigga, I pray he makes something of it The saddest part about success is that the hate come from it I hit a black guy, my first nine I pay like eight something for it, yeah I smoke a blunt to take the pain out And if I wasn't high, I'd probably try to blow my brains out And Gary Streets was cold, but I'm the one that made a lane out When H got caught with work, he never snitched and gave my name out I love him for that, being start, push a button for that When you get rich, you might cut off some of your brothers for that for that. I bought a house out in Cali, I made it out for real Pop smoke killed in the hills, that shit gave me the chills Willie was my day one nigga, we done been through some shit Thought that I was never gon' see him after that Europe shit Nigga, we was broken, we was share my food I hate your breed, had to get killed for us to get back cool A nigga stressing, so I numb him with drugs, liquor, and table dance Need to slow my roll, cause my daddy battling stomach cancer Trying to chase my dreams, but I hate the shit that I'm running after Had some deadly beef with some rappers, but that's another chapter I smoke a to take the pain out Pull up at your show and hey, your motherfucking stage out They caught me at the box and sent some shots I sent some change out Told them pussy niggas, get umbrellas, it's gon' rain out Motherfucker, I smoke a op to take the pain out Pull up on your block and hey, your Rari or your range out They caught me at the light and sent some shots I sent some change out I told them pussy niggas, get umbrellas, it's gon' rain out Even if you bring an umbrella You can't stop the pouring You ignore the warnings Should it see the signs? It's so hard to pretend Shit gets too real See, I know no one's coming So fuck how you feel You should save yourself, I can't save you Time we lost, can't make up All them shots, no chaser No more talk, that's played out I gave you all of me Obviously, they don't align with what you want Or what I need You don't deserve the right to part to me You could tell whoever about your thoughts of me We apologize for the noise and disturbance on the penthouse floors We assure you we are currently investigating the matter We appreciate your patience while staying with us at the Triple S Hotel, Resort and Casino Hey Fred, it's your mom Call me, tell me, have her from you. Well, give me a call, we get a chance. I love you.